Hi, this is Ruben Spolter from The Mission Project. Five years ago, I began recording and uploading two Mishnayot a day to YouTube. I thought it'd be a nice way of sharing my daily learning with others. Little did I realize how big this would become. Today, The Mission Project has over 150,000 total views. We have over 800 YouTube subscribers, a WhatsApp group, a Telegram channel, a webpage, even a podcast feed. Jews from all walks of life and all skill levels, from literally all over the world, from Western Canada to Eastern Australia, all come to the Misha Project to watch, learn, and grow in Torah. But now I realize there's so much more to do. I dream of creating a new website that will enable people to learn Mishnah at their own pace. I dream of growing and promoting the Mishnah Project so that one day soon, thousands of Jews from around the world will make daily Mishnah an unmissable part of their day. And I dream of expanding the Mishnah Project to other languages so that Jews from Israel and from other parts of the world will be able to take part in this incredible learning opportunity. But to do all this, I need your help. We often study Mishnah in memory of dear departed ones. The word Mishnah in Hebrew shares the same letters as the word Nishama or soul. Our sages teach us that the study of Mishnah can elevate the soul. For this reason, I have dedicated the learning in the Mishnah project to the memory of my father, Harav Simcha Spolter, who passed away when I was young. It brings me great comfort that I can dedicate the learning in his memory. I would like to share this opportunity with you as well. Please join me by giving generously to the Mission Project's inaugural campaign. Your donation in memory of a loved one will perpetuate their memory through the study of Mishnah around the world. I look forward to joining with you in making the Mission Project a powerful force for Torah study for the Jewish people. Thank you so much and make it a great day. Your weekly podcast about religious Zionism, modern orthodoxy, and everything in between. My name is Uvain Spolter. I'm your host. I'm here with Harabani Malibrowski. Hello, Harabani Malibrowski. Hello, how are you? See, you perk up. You're dulcet tones right I'm away. So tired. I'm so tired. <laughs> and Johnny Solomon. Johnny, how are you? I'm good. Thanks. Molly is so tired. We're dispensing with the, uh, we, we've decided to dispense with our bios. If you don't know who we are, go back to the episode and listen, and you can figure it out. Um, we're going to talk about Hanukkah's coming up. Hanukkah. Am I waking you up, Molly? Okay, Hanukkah's coming up. And we wanted to talk about some of the, um, I guess, uh, ideas behind and connection to Hanukkah and what does Hanukkah mean today? And I will just share with you as a sort of introduction, you know, as, as a student of the development of halacha at Bar Ilan University. So the, some of the halachot, I find like the rabbi gets up shortly and he talks about Hilchot Hanukkah. And I, I find them somewhat, uh, what is not troubling, but, but like, just like, I feel, I feel bad for Hanukkah. And I'll explain what I mean. Like, obviously, we know the mitzvah of Hanukkah is Pesume Nisa. The mitzvah of the Nair is Pesume Nisa. And like when you lived up until, I don't know, 1905 or whatever, until they had electric lighting outside, then the lighting of the Hanukkah was Pesume Nisa. 
because it was pitch black outside and it, you know lighting and candles was extremely expensive so for someone to light a candle for nothing outside was a pursuit and everybody saw it and everybody knew it but now you go around and it's like you know like it's you know it's a joke because uh, poor Hanukkah can, the little, like, you know, little shamashal over there is going to prevent you from using the, like, how do you even explain that to the kids anymore? They don't even know what it means. And the idea of when do you have to light, you have to light, uh, you know, Chazal say, because that's what it was. Who Nobody would walk out at night. You'd be insane. It was so dangerous. So you'd have to light before while people were still rushing home. And in today's day and age, there, there just isn't that, that doesn't exist anymore. So I feel bad for Hanukkah because, like, the, the, the Persume Nisa aspect is totally lost on everyone. You know, like I almost feel like the nowadays they have it in America, you know, have like these Christmas light houses and like, so your next door neighbor, the house is like blue, blue, like it's beautiful Christmas lights and you're lighting this little tiny wick and, and, and how do you get Persume Nisa? So I, I think that's as an introduction. I think that by way, and I don't think there's an answer to this. I don't, I don't have an answer. This is just the nature of the thing and the spirituality of the light and the beauty of this small candle. We come up with all the reasons. But in the end, that's not what Chazal, clearly not what Chazal had in mind. So that being said, then, I, I want to sort of segue to Mali. Mali Gemara says, my Chanukah. What is Chanukah? Which is really weird. It never says my Pesach. It never says, you know, my Sukkot, you know, it never says any of that, but it says my Chanukah, and then it gives this really interesting story of the Pach Shemir, and then it gives the story of all the, I don't know, of, of the Nase, and et cetera, et cetera. So I'll, I'll turn the Gemara's question to you and ask you, especially today, my Chanukah, what is Chanukah, and what does it mean, especially as a teacher and educator and to your students, and then we'll We'll throw that question to Johnny as well, so he can either answer or ignore my question. Go ahead, Molly. <laughs> okay, so the truth is, um, I, I, that was a good introduction, because I want to get to your question about Pursuma Nisa, because part of my answer, I think, will re- relate to it. So I'll get there. So, But the first thing I want to say is, yes, to me, I think it really is important to ask my Hanukkah, because I think a lot of people don't know, or they have a kind of a blurry, fuzzy feeling. That's my impression. Um, my husband actually... One of the years, I want to keep it very vague, from one of his institutions was absolutely shocked when he asked his students, like, what do you know about the history of Hanukkah? Not only did they not know, like, the history of Hanukkah, they didn't know the Jewish history at all. Like, they didn't, they didn't, they knew, he was just, his mouth was on the floor. So I, like, he could not believe it. And I had a similar experience one year, was the year of Thanksgiving Lukah. Do you remember that I will just say, I don't know why his mouth was on the floor, you know, like... it's, you know, it's it was not, like they didn't know that Jesus lived during by the Second Temple. Like, like I, they, they, they were like, maybe the Crusades were during the Second Temple. Like, oh, I shouldn't have said that because I don't want to reveal. What Go ahead. Happened. Anyway. Yeah. But OK. Sorry. OK. Anyway, we're going to try to keep everything anonymous. Um, um, meaning. OK. <laughs> Backtrack. <laughs> so during the year of Thanksgiving, whatever they called it, Thanksgiving, so my students were so into Thanksgiving Con. This is so cool. And I was like really surprised. Let me put it that way. I think I was also younger and more idealistic, maybe perhaps a little bit zealous, that people could think that like blending an American cultural holiday with Hanukkah of all holidays, what like wouldn't even raise any questions in their minds. So I'd be like, you know what? Before we have this conversation about why I don't necessarily think that this is the best choice on Hanukkah, um, can you tell me what Hanukkah means to you? I asked my students, and I got the most like bland answers. I got, oh, Hanukkah means 
uh, family. Hanukkah me and I'm not saying I said that. I don't mean that in a condescending way at all. They were, they were the lovely, lovely students. Hanukkah means light in the darkness. Hanukkah means warmth. Hanukkah means um, um, identi- this one they said, identification with Jewish values. But I realized all their answers were coming from like, A, either identifying with the holiday season in America or feeling like it is their specific holiday in the holiday season in America. But none of them really understood what Hanukkah is meant to be about. And, and that was very important to me to, to then start to realize that we have to educate towards what is the message of Hanukkah. So here's what I think the message of Hanukkah is. First of all, I think it's, and this was my Thanksgiving cup point, Hanukkah is clearly about how we interact with secular culture. Like that's obvious to me that, 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 the, that, that Hanukkah is about the question of, you know, where are the limits of, uh, of, of how much we allow the secular world into our Jewish experience. And the answer of Hanukkah is that there's a point where we say Adkan, right? There's a point at which we say, um, even if we believe in, in and I think, I think Chazal do, even though there's a whole question about Chachma Yevanid, whatever, I won't go into that. But the point is, I think Chazal were all positive about the idea of, of integrating positives from the secular world into Jewish culture, taking the best uh, of the of of the world, Hanukkah is about saying and yet and yet there's a point at which we stop and we say we are very clear about who we are and what we stand for, and there's a point at which we 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 have to stand up proudly for our own for our own Jewish values, um, and so that's why I was like, don't you understand that like not differentiating between Thanksgiving and Hanukkah is exact like like Matityahu would be like rolling over in his grave, so I think that that's. Like the first point I want to make, we don't have to go into it, but but I think it's really important. Oh, we're to we're going to go into it. Okay, okay. Fine. that's point one. Point two, it that wait, I wait, kind of I, can we let Johnny respond? Can you write down the second point? Or you want to you want to go? All, I want to make the second points. point because I think it's equally as important in terms of what Hanukkah is about, and then uh, okay, okay. So let me just make this one quick quickly because I and it also relates to your pursuing Misa. Misa. I've real told you I'm tired. Pursuing Misa. What did you say? I'm not Pursuing Misa. Okay. Pursuing Misa. Um, okay, we're good. I'm so tired. Okay. Three, two, one. Three, two, one. <laughs> Here we go. Um, the Rambam, when he talks about Hanukkah, one of the things he, he, he points out is that Hanukkah was the, was the reestablishment of Jewish sovereignty since it was a, like the Hashmonaitic dynasty was the, the, the second Jewish commonwealth, right? Meaning since Chorban Abayis, they, even when they came back to Eretz Yisrael, there was no sovereignty in the land until the Hashmonaim. And they created a thriving, um, autonomous Jewish commonwealth in the state of Israel for 200 years. And I think that's also what Hanukkah celebrates. Um, and that, that kind of leads me to your Persume Nisa thing, because I find that to be very relevant in terms of how we celebrate in Israel today. Right, because if the essence of Hanukkah is celebrating um, our Jewish identity and and our and standing for our Jewish culture and Jewish values, and one of the things we talk about is how do we create a state that does that, right? But if that's what we're trying to do, if that's how we're trying to celebrate Hanukkah, then then every bus that says Hanukkah Sameach on it, right? And every I, I was in uh, the, the the mall and Lahakat Shalva was walking around singing. I think that was like a pre Hanukkah thing, right? And every 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 Hanukkah experience that celebrates our return to this land and our identification with ourselves as as Jews establishing the third Jewish Commonwealth is the Persimmonisa, 
You know what I mean? So like in kavod to the Hanukkah candles, the Hanukkah candles are, are thank God, they're not miskenim at all. They're not. You just don't need them. The way Rav Cook talks about the, the, the light of, uh, uh, he talks about um, the sh- during, during Bayat Rishon, he says religious ideas, you didn't need them because the light of God was so powerful. He said it was like holding a candle up at noon. Right, the poor candle. Mm-hmm. You, when did you see the candle? And during Gullus, when the light went away, then all of a sudden the little candles became very important. That's that's you know of Cook's understanding of the details of mitzvot. So I'd say the same thing. So Bruby Baruch Hashem, that maybe in, maybe you're right that in 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 Chutz Laaretz it's like Hanukkah gets lost and it's kind of sad. But in Eretz Yisrael, I think everything is persumenisa, and I think that that's actually quite beautiful. I don't feel bad for Hanukkah at all, and I actually I feel very empowered by the way in which Hanukkah is, is um, a manifestation of this, this really idea that's essential to Hanukkah itself. So that's what I wanted to say. Johnny, I, yeah. let's turn it to Johnny. Johnny, to you, my Hanukkah, what's, what's, what, what does Hanukkah speak to you? Do you agree with Molly that it's about the limits of secular culture or would you define it in another way? Well, uh, do I think that one of the lessons of Hanukkah relate to the limits of secular culture, 100%. Um, but I, as we talked a little bit ahead of our session, I explained that sometimes we need to just understand the words we're using. Hanukkah isn't the name of a festival, right? It's an act that we uh, undertake when dedicating or rededicating a sacred space. And Hanukkah doesn't stand on its own. There were prior Hanukkahs. There was a Hanukkah Hamishkan, the uh, dedication of the tabernacle. There was a Hanukkah Bait Rishon, Hanukkah Bait Sheni, and there was the Hanukkah that took place during time of Bait Sheni. And then what we do in this festival is somehow uh, commemorate that rededication of the Second Temple after Bet HaMikdash had been ransacked by lighting candles in our home. So my Hanukkah is really a question of what is Hanukkah in the absence of a Mishkan and a Beta Mikdash? And the answer, I believe, is it's what we do in our home, which is what the Gemara says before the Gemara even asks, my Hanukkah, instruct us, mitzvot Hanukkah ner that it's about kindling candles in our home and recognizing that until we have the zchut of returning and rebuilding uh, the Beta Mikdash in Yerushalayim, we have a Mikdash Me'at, which is where we live, and our task is to um, reconnect ourselves to Avodah therein. And through remembering the rededication of the Beta Mikdash, by dedicating ourselves in our home, it helps us connect to the past and also hope for the future. And just as a quick aside, uh, I don't know whether each of you uh, did this on a formal basis, but you know, when you buy a house, build a house, or even rent a home, people do a Hanukkah to buy it. You know, people actually have some kind of ritual in reflecting on what they hope to gain in this home. And there is a beautiful tefillah found, uh, I know it's in, in the, the British Siddur, in the Singer Siddur, um, a beautiful text expressing the aspirations of what a Jewish home should be. In many ways, it, it, it's drawn from the, the imagery and the messages of the Beta Mikdash itself in terms of bringing about peace, bringing about sense of, of purpose of our lives. So, until we have the ultimate by it, we our task is to see a form of Hanukkah in the home in which we live today. So, uh, thank you very much, Johnny. First of all, uh, I want to sort of respond to something that Molly said and get your reaction to it. 
you described Hanukkah as the limits of secular culture. And uh, obviously that's true, but it's, it's, it's much, much more than that. Those who are familiar with, uh, you know, we're all familiar with the story of the Maccabim and the Hashmonaim and the Mila Shem Eli and the, you know, it was more, as it's described, more of a civil war than it was a war against the, against the you know, the, the, the Syrian Greeks. It was more against the, the, the Hellenistic Jews than it was against anybody else. So if that's true, though, Mali, then I'm not sure it would be about limits of secular culture as much as it was a war about the limits of tolerance. Meaning, like, well, let, me, let me finish my question. Mm-hmm. Meaning, I'm just nodding. Uh, yeah, yeah, oh, okay. The, these were people who found the desecration of the temple to be a terrible offense towards their own religious sensibilities. That people who could not tolerate the idea of turning Jewish values into liberal values, into whatever you want to call it, gymnasium, or you know what I'm saying, or however it was, to take their migdash and turn it into a tourist spot, and were not only willing to, but created a civil war based on that fact. Yeah, Correct. I, I, so I, that, that being and so that being said, the irony of calling you know Maccabia having sports yeah. games and the mm-hmm. irony of calling Maccabi Tel Aviv or you know, they would be rolling in their grave. Mm-hmm. And so in reality, like I always wonder, we don't like to think about this and people write articles about how it's not true. But I think that the, the, the Maccabim and the Hashemunaim were far more religiously fundamentalist than we like to admit. And, you know, I, I feel very often like we Jews in acculturated societies like to do, we sort of adapt to the values of the society without really thinking about, one second, what do these Maccabees really fight for? Do I agree with them at all? Am I lighting candles and agree with them at all? Or am I lighting my own Hanukkah? I'm, I'm making up what I want Hanukkah to be and not really what it is. So okay. do you agree with me? Is it the yes. little, Okay, you, good. You will get Yay! no argument. You will get, you will get no argument from me <laughs> on the argument. On the, on the wait, wait a second. If that's, being, if that's true, then it's not about the limits of secular culture. It's about the importance of fundamentalism in religious life and killing the people okay. who are destroying your country. And those like, hello, Aleinu, I'm not advocating that, et cetera, et cetera. But they would have and they did. And what about the people that are advocating starting a train in Tel Aviv on Shabbat and, dist- and public desecration of Shabbat, et cetera, et cetera? Like, I mean, this goes to the heart of, John, it's, it's interesting. I think it goes to the heart of what does it mean to be a Jew? What is Judaism? And your view of Hanukkah will, will reflect that. Sorry, Molly. Go ahead. Now, yeah. now you can respond. Right. Okay. So I, 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 this is how I would respond. First of all, on the principle that you're saying, I completely agree with you. Um, and I think that I think it's also reflected in the halacha. This is an idea that my husband always quotes from Rav Rosenzweig, where he says that, as Johnny quoted, the, the fundamental halacha is near Ishuveto, right? But nobody holds near Ishuveto. This is the only holiday in which we do the mahadrin mina mahadrin, essentially lechachila, right? We, we <laughs> nowadays we, we do that for every holiday always. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. It's true. But you know what I mean? Meaning, meaning, codified in the halacha is the. Mahajan minimum minim Mahajan position. Why? And Rabbi Rosenzweig's answer was because, and he frames it in terms of you know the edicts against what Jews were allowed to do. They were forced to compromise on their halachic standards, and therefore our answer is we're going to double down and um, perfect our halachic standards. And in, for this one holiday, we are going to go to the most mahudur um, standard. For, you know, and we're all going to do that because we're rededicating ourselves to halachic excellence. Right. And, and I think that there's something very true there and very powerful. And it's kind of what you're saying. This is not a holiday of tolerance. 
It's not. It's a holiday of standards and having high standards and holding to those standards and striving to 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 educate towards the, to, to those standards and and one second. So you're finding, finding nice words, but that's not what it is. No, no. And, and I would agree with you also saying we have limits. We have limits to what we will accept. Right. Ad can velo yoter. Like once you and again, and I think it's a, it's a statement within Judaism and not just outside of Judaism. You know, with all due respect, there are certain lines at which, which we will not so, compromise. However, so then, right, so then I will throw it back to you. And that's why this comes back to the RZ podcast. Do we right. reflect okay. those red lines Great. or so not? I agree. So here, th- that's where I would say to you, I think we therefore we have to take the essence of your argument and not kind of cut and paste and say, oh, well, because they were fundamentalists, uh, we have to be, you know, use that word fundamentalist. And because they cared so much about halacha, therefore we shouldn't allow trains on Shabbat. It's much more complicated. I would say we have to take their found, their foundational perspective, which is um, that how do we maintain our values in the and our allegiance to our Jewish values and our halachic values in the face of external threats? Um, and, and, and how do we create a, a society that that's going to... Um, tolerate the red lines and how are we going to kind of create a society that's going to 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 then 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 share and express our values and so i think what's second See, i think no, I, I, all i'm saying is i'm really listening to you and i don't that. not disagreeing with you i'm not disagreeing with you but i feel like you're saying mali values not matitiao no, values i don't think so i think i'm saying matitiao's values matitiao's children did not then go learn in cola matitiao's children then took over the country Right, and they, and they were fighting, and, and they took over the country. And, and what did they, they do that with wasn't their a power? Great idea. They Correct. imposed religious fundamentalists. They, they were more Taliban than you are. They were more. I, I maybe again. I don't. I, I, no, maybe not. You can say that. I don't not. think that I'm they sorry. were the Taliban. But my point is, is that I think that really you don't think they had Sunni's police or Avodazar police or well, do we have any evidence for that in the history? Well, you would never know, but you know what I'm saying? How would you know? Okay, but what I'm saying yes, is... Yes, they I killed a lot of people in order to reimpose religious... They killed a lot of people in, in order, order to... reimpose to, religious values. I, I, but, but what? But, but yes, and we are... We, meaning, first of all, they killed a lot of people in order to also um, reestablish their autonomy, right? I think that's mm-hmm. part of what it is. Yeah. I, I think that Taliban is a, you know, you mentioned a straw man argument earlier about something. I like did. It's a straw man, but I, I it rem- no, I'm saying I didn't, I didn't throw I, I it at you for that. I think what I'm saying it, is it's what it reminds of me of. Hanukkah I'm is, saying it really means, it's really remind. it's what, it, it seems closer. I don't see it that way. And I don't really? think this is, I don't think so. I think that they, with what they are about, and, and again, I would say everybody go watch the movie Lights if you can still find it. It's a, an amazing, you ever, you ever heard, of, heard of it or seen it? It's a beautiful it a times, movie made by Gesher in maybe the 80s. It's a little like, um, half an hour to an hour animated short and um it's beautiful and basically what it, it it starts with alexander the great showing up and he brings his greek lights and they're the jewish lights and they dance together and shimon Tzadik has this relationship with alexander the great and everything's fabulous and then you know antiochus, antiochus comes and says well your jewish lights have to be you know small and our greek lights are better and that's when they're like no right um our Jewish lights are you are literally giving me a Gesher movie in order to prove yes, what history was? In order to prove I what history really, is like? I think it's a beautiful interpretation, and I think well, it's true. We, we read I into history. That's true. exactly my point. We read into history our values. I don't uh, want to know okay. what actually happened. I want to know okay. what I want I, I, to have happened. I, I, I'm, I, I'm telling you what I think Chazal are saying. I think what I think Chazal in general. I think what Chazal and again Chazal are. It's a very broad statement, but again, 
you know, look at the thrust of Chazal. I believe you do have more, you know, Torah-only values, but you also have in Chazal a very strong, um, you know, openness to the world and to and to world culture. And and at the same time, and I've I've quoted this before. I think on this podcast when we had this kind of podcast before, but I think the Yaft Elokim Liyafet Ve'ishkol Ba'ohalei Shem is the most fundamental pasuk, and I think Chazal really did read it this way, which is. Yafet has a lot of beauty, and Chazal are aware of that, but we have to be firmly grounded in our tents, and we can bring in, in, in the beauty of Yafet to adorn our tents. I don't think that I'm reading into Judaism. I think that is a fundamental Jewish perspective, and you find it you know, throughout Judaism. I think you're right. It, it's always in tension with a more conservative, small-c tendency. right? Um, like you, for every you know, golden age of Spain, you'll have, you know, a, a, a group of, of, of um, Ashkenazi rabbis saying the secular world is terrible and there are all kinds of historical reasons for that as well. So I think there are two values that are in tension here, but I, I think that Hanukkah, it's too simplistic to just say Hanukkah is about fundamentalism because if it were only about fundamentalism, then again, they would not have uh, um, fought for a land and, and established a state and, and it basically created a, a, a Jewish, you know, um, whatever. I, I, I've got back to what I was before. Okay, Johnny, but, respond. Fundamentalists, Maccabim, fundamentalists, religious tolerant. What do you say? But, how, do you, again, how do you respond? I just want to answer one more thing, which is, I just want to say one more sentence because I think this is really important. Johnny. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just want to say this one sentence. I think you have to have the spirit of Judaism and then apply it in your time. That's what I think. So I think we have to meet the challenges of our day no, like, so you might be values so, that, so so Molly, you could legitimately say, and I think it's okay to say, yes, they were fundamentalists, but that doesn't play to me. Wouldn't think that's work. Hanukkah, I just don't think that's true. Okay, okay fine. Let's go to Johnny. He'll, he'll 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 tell us what he thinks. Well, uh, well, by talking through the word fundamentalism, you reminded me of a quote which I was recently transcribing. You may well know I'm just finishing off this database of quotes from all of Rabbi Sachs's books, and in the most recent book, The Power of Ideas, he says the following. What is wrong with the word fundamentalism is its assumption that the fundamentals of faith are dangerous. On the contrary, religions become dangerous when we forget their fundamentals. And I think what we need to therefore do is be a little bit more... I like that quote. Nuanced. That's a beautiful quote. It's a nice quote. You'll see it in the database. So it, basically, we use the word fundamentalism as a pejorative word. But in fact, to, to ignore the fundamentals of particular faiths is to do a profound disservice to their history and to what they wish to bring to the world. And when we think of the Hanukkah story, which has multiple dimensions, we well know there's a military dimension and there are spiritual dimensions, there are historical dimensions and ritual dimensions. But uh, from you mentioned halacha, so let's let's talk about halacha. Classically, uh, and this question is asked in you know many shiurim. Uh, when discussing the, uh, the laws of Hanukkah, there should have been no need for the Hanukkah miracle because they could have used the oil there. Uh, and I think the very fact that they didn't, obviously we know led to the miracle of Hanukkah. But what does that mean today? It means, you know, we're living in a time where oftentimes people say, it's not so important, let's... Uh, Let's be flexible, let's be tolerant, let's be mavata, let's give it up. Let's try and uh, not need to go for the highest level and, and try and find uh, the most, um, the most the simplest way to move things forward. There was a hakpada, there was a dedication. That notion of Hanukkah, meaning 
to dedicate a place is also to dedicate one's life. What we learn from the Hanukkah story is sometimes you're at a crossroads where you can do something and it's okay, or you can strive for better. And certainly the overall message of Hanukkah is there are people who fought to strive for better in terms of Jewish lifestyle, Jewish culture. There are people who strived to make sure the Avodah could be better in terms of Nes Hanukkah. And uh, in, in especially in certain aspects of the Orthodox community, oftentimes uh, the, the calls for to keeping life as simple as possible are way stronger than the sometimes expectations that perhaps we could do better. And obviously to balance. Uh, and nevertheless, I'd love sometimes for us to say, you know, chumas are good. And we shouldn't force them on people, but we should each have the things that we strive and we take ourselves a, for, a step forward. As Mali said, we have mahadrin in a mahadrin, right? There's a beautiful essay by uh, the late Rav Henkin who he d contrasts the notion of glut and mahadrin. He says, glut's on food, mahadrin's on behavior. And we really should be mahadr in how we behave. But that certainly should be part of the lekach, part of the take-home of Hanukkah. We should be striving for more as Jews. We should be striving for more in terms of Jewish practice. And we should have hakpodas, and we should be medakdek b'mitzvahs. And that's part of what led to the Hanukkah miracle. So all those, just going back to the wider question of the interaction with, uh, with, with secular culture and Hanukkah and how often people conflate and confuse the two, all those who are lighting their Hanukkah candles, but perhaps, uh, unfortunately, not even, even eating kosher food, or, or, or the trimmings of that ritual activity are certainly not aligned with Jewish values. They're wondering, what's the story? The whole point, the whole reason why we have this Nes Hanukkah was because there was a lack of compromise, a desire to do what's absolutely right, even when we needed not to do so. And that should certainly be expressed in our lives in one respect or another. So Johnny, I actually, I find your, your words so meaningful and so interesting. But I, you're speaking about Chumrah and in the area of personal observance. And it's clear that Chazal, um, I would say, translated into the area of Ner Ishu Beito because they had no other option. Because in the time Chazal were legislating, that, that was what there was. But when, when I think about red lines now, I, I go back to like, you know, if they open up the, if they, if they open up the, 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 the subway, and it like doesn't affect me, I don't live in Tel Aviv. But for, one, for whatever reason, the Arsar, the Matan Kahana is talking about we have to find a Bishara and find something that's acknowledging for everyone. And we have to come to, find some kind of compromise. If you would talk to any Haredi member of Knesset, he would say, are you crazy? Public transportation, public desecration of Shabbat—that that's totally inappropriate. And let me let me let me finish my thought. Okay, <clears throat> so I feel sometimes that we don't set red lines in the public sphere, in the communal sphere, in the national sphere. We don't have red lines. Yeah, whatever. As long as I keep my—I I live in my yeshuv. I keep my shmirat mitzvot. I don't want to be involved in kfiyah datit and all the things that go along with that. But then, what happens though is the public sphere. Even in, um, let, let's leave the area of like Chilul Shabbat aside, but the public sphere in the area of ideas becomes dominated by a, a certain way of thought that then you cannot even have your Rashut Hayachid. Then you're not even allowed to have, to have your private opinion because it's beyond the, beyond the scope, beyond the scale. And I think that that Hashem understood that and they lived that, that at, 
at, at some point they realized it can't be like when, when, when the Greeks take over to such a degree, when the Greeks take over to such a large degree, then obviously it affects your own child and your Brit Milah and your Chilu Shabbat as well. Those are tied together. And I wonder, like when you say, like, you know, it's very nice to say I should, you know, buy more Mahudur meat or whatever, but I don't think it's what it's about. I think it's saying, do I have red lines of which I'm willing to fight for? And I don't know if we do. Nothing. I don't. I, I don't. I think too. we don't too often. Well, uh, well, I, I would respond and say the following. I, I totally agree, and, and certainly that was uh, part of what I was saying. I wasn't exclusively talking about the type of uh, label that accompanies the meat or the milk or whatever. Uh, unfortunately, what's happened in, in recent decades is the inability to have a maha, but to, for a person to object from an ideological standpoint without people presuming it's a personal standpoint. And that's a travesty. It really is. There are things that I fundamentally object to and I love the person I'm objecting to. I'm a mush, I love them. I just think they're wrong. Now, what happens with that is we're able to then have a conversation. It may not change a thing. It's important to know that oftentimes when Chazal say, uh, and the Rabbanam Machu, right, they objected. Their objection made nothing, made no difference. But it was on record to say, this doesn't go by with my agreement. We have famously the Miraglim, Yoshua and Kalev. They disagree. They lose, right? They lose. But they're on record as saying, we don't agree with the decisions being passed here. It's important to be able to raise your voice and say, I disagree. I love you, but I disagree. And it's not personal. It's purely ideological, practical, or, or, or historical, or whatever, whatever. And yes, we need to be able to do that. And, and what's troubling nowadays is if one were to raise a voice about things in the public square, square in the communal square, wherever you live, uh, and wh whatever is going on, and you take an ideological stance in which you say, I disagree, people presume otherwise. Uh, just to give one brief example, uh, in, in the Chivas of Chaim David Levi, he discusses uh, a, a cinema opening, if I recall, it's in Rishon Zion. And, and there was an attempt to make a big macha, a big uh, demonstration. And, and Chaim David Levi was also against the cinema being open on a Shabbos. But he said, friends, unfortunately, the way you're going to object is just going to instill hate. I, I know you're standing up for Shabbos, but they're going to say, think that you hate them. So we need to be a little bit smarter. Now, that's regrettable because sometimes it's okay to stand up and protest. Um, and sometimes you can't it, help that people hate you for standing up for your values. Nachon, but you certainly need to... It doesn't to mean you have to be hateful. Consider. That's a question. Meaning, I, 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 the problem is, is, you're right, that people protest in a hateful way as opposed to protesting in a loving way. And we should... But we don't even... My point is, in our community, we don't protest at all. That's the problem. Not in a loving way or a hateful way. So I, 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 uh, I think... So, sorry, yeah. Johnny, were you still answering? Please, please, please. Sure. You want to just finish your point? Yeah. <laughs> it's totally sure. <laughs> I, I just, I, the only thing I was thinking, Ruby, is that there's a lot of truth to what you're saying. And I think my response to that is that I agree with you. I, think, I don't think that therefore we have to be against the light rail. I think we have to be more complex, as, as Johnny was saying. And we have to understand if we're going to decide that we want to come to some type of a compromise, Right, we have to understand for ourselves, or we have to be able to be, be able to hold the complexity. I remember also once my husband asked a Shiloh. Yeah, complexity is wait, the wait, opposite of fundamentalism. It's second, the opposite. Um, 
Complexity? If, no. If the word you're going for, oh, we Fund- have to see and be complex. It is complicated. So the opposite of fundamentalism. No re- where's your red line? Fundamentalism well, we on to, the other know? side, right? The opposite of like religious fanaticism is complete tolerance with absolutely no standards and no values. Those are the those are the opposites. The middle, right, is being able to hold the best values from both sides, right? The, being, um. And I, and, and I really believe that. I, I will fight for, for complexity as a lechadchila, right, till my last breath. I really believe it. But complexity with, for, as a lechadchila means that I'm also holding the ex- value of the extreme. And sometimes you have to be extreme. And maybe that's, maybe, you know, to go back to your point, maybe on Hanukkah you had to take an extreme position because they were going too much to the other side, right? And, and I would say to you, again, back to our Shabbos conversation, we shouldn't say, and there are people who do, right? Um, one second, I'm just thinking of the Rebbechenstein. Argument, yeah. He Rivelstein quotes this from once it's from uh, Byron and once from I forgot where. Um, he, I think, that one of the quotes is is uh, somebody's going out to fight for for their country, and he says to his girlfriend or fiance, "I'm leaving you not because I love you less, but because I love my country more." And Rivelstein says. Those of us who believe in complexity, it's not because we love Torah less, um, it's because we, we, we love Eretz Yisrael more, right, in terms of, let's say, fight, you know, being part of the army. Not more than Torah, but more than other people who aren't going to the army, right? And so he, then he challenges Rothenstein in the article. He says, how much of what we do comes from identifying with, 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 with values and therefore creating a complex reality that holds the values and how much from tepid indifference, which is the with tepid indifference is what Johnny was talking about before. And I agree with you. And I, therefore, if we are going to um, make Sharot about Shabbat, right, we should have voices that say, you shouldn't understand. It's not because we love Shabbat less. It's not why. It's because we love unity more, and we're going to keep fighting for Shabbat. And we're going to, and we're going to, as Johnny said, it's because we don't think the tactic um, that's going to increase um, keeping Shabbat is by legislating that publicly. We think the tactic that's going to increase Shabbat observance is educating about Shabbat, whatever it is. But but we should definitely have a well formulated and articulated perspective, both to ourselves and to the outside world, that. I hundred percent agree with you. That doesn't um, stem from from not caring about our whatever, whatever you, word you want to call it, right? Our our mahudar, our excellence principles, but rather because we recognize that in reality we have to hold tension and we have to come up with complex solutions to complex problems. Johnny, I'll give you the last word. Um. Okay, Thank, thanks for that. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, I mean, I, I don't. I think we we've reached a, a better understanding of this topic, which is, and it's good to talk it through. You know, we use the word fundamental uh, fundamentalism and fundamentally, what uh, I'll, I'll briefly say say an anecdote. I recently gave a, an online class to a bunch of people um, and exp- explored the history of Hanukkah, how Hanukkah isn't just the name of festival. But it's this uh, the, the notion of, of dedicating a sacred space and re- reference to Chumash and the Navi, etc. What sad was the majority of people I was teaching who had attended numerous uh, Torah class over many years didn't basically. It was the first time they'd heard anything of this matter. They asked me very sincerely, like, "Did you make this up?" I said, "Like, no, are you could. Are you kidding me? I'm just telling you. I'm telling you, like, literally word for word what the Tanakh says." And too many of us, and it includes me in, in some measure or another, but too many of us and, and too many of us have allowed so many of others to 
be ignorant of the fundamentals. And if you're ignorant of the fundamentals of our faith and of our history, of our past, um, then even this kind of conversation we're having is meaningless. Because, you know, Shabbos is a heart of the Jewish people. You know, famously, the Chavitz Chaim writes in the Sakdama to of the Mishnah Brewer, where based on this idea of the Sefer Haredim, that every mitzvah, actually based on the Gemara, and he, the Haredim explains it more, every mitzvah has a corresponding limb. So Shabbos is a heart of the Jewish people. Uh, and therefore, if something is done in terms of disrespecting Shabbos in the public space, you you should feel just as agitated as something done, which may well put great risk on your own heart, right? You need to say, hang on a second, what are you doing? Um, so we need to know the fundamentals of Yiddishkeit, including Shabbos, and the fundamentals of Jewish practices and the fundamentals of Hanukkah itself. Okay, thank you very much for that. We're going to take a quick break and come back with a soapbox right after this. Stay with us. Shalom, this is Rav Johnny Solomon, and I would like to tell you about the services that I provide to men and women around the world. Firstly, if you have a she'ila, a halachic query or a halachic topic you would like to learn more about as it applies to your life, and you feel that you don't have a Rav with whom you can discuss this question, I offer online halachic consultations. Secondly, if you have some theological or spiritual query, or if you're in need of some chizuk, I provide spiritual coaching. And lastly, if you'd like to learn about a particular Torah topic, I offer one-to-one learning. For each of these services, you can book an appointment for a small fee at my website, rabbijohnnysolomon.com, which seamlessly, with a magic of Calendly, then appears in my online calendar. And within a few minutes, you'll receive a message with a Zoom link. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to talking with you. Okay, it's my soapbox again. If you guys haven't, uh, Molly, you almost had a soapbox this week. Maybe, maybe you'll give it next week. Probably not. Uh, but I'm going to get on the soapbox. Um, <laughs> I'm going to get on my soapbox about Sufganiyot. Now, I am not anti-Sufganiyot, as it were. I personally am a latka man. I was raised with latkas. Nothing better than fried potatoes, but I can appreciate a good Sufganiyot. But as we've met, spoken this entire, I, this entire time, uh, the entire discussion we've had has been about uh, returning to the basics and setting red lines and going back to our classic understanding of what things are. And for that reason, I seriously have a tremendous problem with the explosion of ridiculous sufganiyot that you find in bakeries around this time on Hanukkah. What, 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 Do you know what I'm talking about? I want to ask a question. I'm not anti-sufganiyot. <laughs> I'm in favor of the classic sufganiyot. You go into Roladin and they have... Pavlova cream cheese sufganiyah, or like, I'm looking at another one, miskrofona um, perot yaar. Like, why in the world would I want to take a jelly donut and pile upon it banana coffee toffee? Like, you just said, and they put in like even like they have these vials, like these test tubes that look like blood that that they they drew from someone that they're gonna like take it and like drink it. Is first of all it's disgusting. 
Second of all, it's not a sufganiya. A sufganiya is a fried piece of dough. If you want to be mahadrian, it has fried piece of dough with, with, with sugar on it. Mahadrian mina mahadrian. The lady took the thing and she stripped in some jelly dough, some, some jelly. That's it. Everything else is a chilul of sufganiyot. Sorry, I'm done. That's the end of my soapbox. Thank well, you. Well, I just want to ask you. I have to say that was very I just, in line I, with, your, I, with your position this whole evening. <laughs> perfect. I, I, I just want to ask you, you said you're a latke man. Does that mean that when you make latkes, you take with a finger, with a grater, yeah, do it the proper way. Yes, I, I have one right, of those don't old use grater, a machine. Nope. We have the, ridiculous we have the, what's like it called, that. the thing, the mandolin thing, you know what I'm saying, with the, the square, I have one of those things, we gr- hand graded. Because if you're going to have a good of gunny, well, my daughter makes it, she's like, it depends how many you make, but yes, including the onions, including the onions. Barur. Now, you know, you make a very good Maccabee, Ruby. What? It should be uh, Yonatan, Yohanan, Shimon, Elazar. Who's the fifth one? I don't know. It's no one of these two Kill me if I can't remember the fifth one. And then Ruby. Mila Shemelai, get rid of these crazy two Yonatan, Yohanan, Shimon, Elazar. Oh, and Yehuda. Yehuda, right. Okay. And this is the problem with our with our Israeli society today. So don't buy this Roladin Zufganiya. Go to Rami Levy. Buy the cheapo Zufganiyot. Buy the ones from your local bakery. Even better... I, I, I try to keep to, like, because it's ridiculous. It's, like, crazy. They started selling them months ago. Uh, I try to actually make sure they only have actually homemade ones and once. Because, remember, we also try to be healthy. That's my soapbox. Um, I'm sure, I don't know if I'll get hate. I'm, I'm sure I'll get some hate email over it, but uh, I can take it. Any comments or that's it? I think we should make signs, you know. Prote- we have a protest. We should have a mecha. Bring back the, <laughs> bring back the <laughs> Okay. Uh, well, that's our podcast then. If none of you have any comments, I like I floored you. You're all like, you know, you don't know what to say. Like, I didn't tell them what my, what my soapbox was going to be about this time. Um, I want to thank uh, Rabbi Johnny Solomon, Rabbi Nimali Bravsky. We're going to take off on Hanukkah, obviously. Enjoy your Hanukkah vacation. And uh, we'll be back with some, uh, some uh, RZ goodness, some heated topics after Hanukkah. Everyone should have a wonderful, wonderful Chag of light and beauty together with you and your families and all of Israel. Have a good week, everybody. Thanks for coming out.